All right, we'll just get to the, since it's 11.30, get to part two of our 10 seasons. If you haven't listened to the first part, please go to our CityGate media site or podcast, and you can listen to part one. I highly, because I'm not going to get into the detail of the first five giants today. We're going to cover the remaining five that uh, we haven't covered yet. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. You know, I sense also, you know, get ready for a new higher levels of anointing higher uh, levels, higher devils. As we are advancing, there's more warfare, but that's part and parcel. Don't worry about it. Just push through, and uh, we're going to make it. You know, and also do not, do not give up. The Lord, the Lord was telling me this morning to tell the people, don't give up. Just keep pressing on. Uh, be persistent and uh, tenacious about your calling. All this warfare is because of our assignment. We have an assignment to help humanity. It's not just Memphis or Mississippi. It's bigger than that. So this was, all these years was years of preparation for the saints before we get released globally. And we need a lot of people to do um, global warfare and possession of the territories that God has for us. Um, especially when you're on front lines, we go through several attacks. And uh, people who are in front lines and they know it. Uh, their families get attacked, the kids get attacked, the finances get attacked, but the key is not give up. Let's keep pressing on. Amen? So I want to continue on part two of the ten giants or seasons you have to defeat before you inherit your promised land. Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 15 and 18 through 20. So Yahweh made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I've given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River, the land now occupied by ten giants, Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. The Lord said, I've given you the land. It, uh, it's, it's now yours legally. But you have to go and possess what belongs to you. Now you have the legal right. You're not trespassing. All you got to do is now go and take the land. And, uh, you know, sometimes you think this is Old Testament. Why are we rehashing some of the Old Covenant stuff? Because there is a spiritual meaning to all this in the Old Covenant. If you just read it literally, it's not going to work. We have to translate it into what it means spiritually. The promised land today in the new covenant is a spiritual state. No matter what your socioeconomic background or your race or your color, the promised land is not about getting to America or getting to UK or China. It's about entering into a spiritual state, as Apostle Paul says, about, of peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. It is a spiritual... Uh, awareness and consciousness of who you are in Christ Jesus. Now, once you reach the spiritual state, it starts to manifest in your physical environment as well. Okay? But it's very important to get to the spiritual state first. Because, you know, you can have all the money you want, you can have all the wealth you want, but if you don't have this peace or joy or righteousness, it's, it's empty. You can have all the relationships you want in life, but
But if you are void of the true peace, joy, and righteousness, you're still empty. The whole world is looking for meaning of life. You know, the rich people are looking for meaning. Poor people think if, you, if they get some money, they'll get happy. That's not true. And then people who are sick think that if they just get healed, everything will work. That's not true either. We have to first enter into a spiritual state of harmony with God, of knowing that we are divine, we are holy, we are righteous, we are not sinners, we are not some uh, useless, good-for-nothing people. We are a divine, a holy nation, a priesthood unto God. And so once you come to the spiritual consciousness of who we are, you become a magnet for every, every, good, every good thing. So you become a magnet for wealth. You become a magnet for prosperity. You become a magnet for good health, good relationship. You attract all these good things, but first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. You have to take some time and labor to enter into that state of unity with God. And just like, you know, just like an onion, it has its core. But before you get to the core, you have to peel several layers. And this is with, similar with mankind. We are in the process of peeling off several layers of junk that we have inherited through our education or through our uh, bringing up, through other filters of the society. But at the core, who, who are we? We are divine. We are holy. We are righteous people. We are not sinners. Even though we act out in sin and we do a lot of foolish things, that's not who we are. Our core is everyone sitting here is a divine being, a unique expression of God. And that's the ultimate goal of God, to bring everybody holy, blemishless before His sight. It's not talking about a performance-based state. It's instead everyone coming to the awareness of who truly they are. The core is divine. That we are clean people. We act, when we act in sin, we act unnaturally. We do not act according to our true natures. So the promised land, to, to, or to enter into the promised land, there is a clearing involved. There's a clearing. So in, in a, you know, when you see a lot of new subdivisions and new housing uh, things ha ha popping up in the market, what they do is they go up with these huge bulldozers and other tractors, and they clear up all the weeds and trees in the land and then they make it a beautiful place for people to live in. Very similar, what you're doing is, once you become born again, you start a clearing process. Just because you became born again doesn't mean your physical environment, your, um, your outer external things are all set. It's not. There's a lot of clearing up that we have to do, everyone. Starting with generational curses to other filters that you've inherited. There is a clearing up process. So very similarly, the Lord told uh, the Israelites, I've given you the promised land, but there is a clearing up work involved before you can really manifest as sons and daughters of God. There's a clearing up. You have to go use the spiritual bulldozers and spiritual tractors and whatever it might be. Apostle uh, Clay had a prophetic word while he was in Somerville. He saw... The vision of the pastor in, uh, in Somerville having a usual, like a, what, what do you call it? A plow. A plow. And he started plowing the land in Somerville. 
But guess what? It's years past. The ground hasn't been broken into. Because a plow, how much can you do with a plow? He's been using some other methods of the, you know, of what he knew. But then the Apostle Claire said, I see this vision of a huge tractor coming in. This time, this is not a regular tractor, a big tractor. This time it can break into the ground even more deeper and even break the hard part. Forget the, the phrase that you used. Subsoil, and then there is this hard plate. He said that all this is going to bro get broken up as the dunamis power of this tractor breaks the ground. So there is the clearing up involved. No matter how good of an intention you have, you might have an intention to be a good Christian, want to be wealthy, prosperous, have a good family, but you're not able to do it because there is still stuff that needs to be cleared up. And so God knew this, and he told Israel, it's my, my, uh, my, my children, you got the promised land, but there is, in order for it to manifest, in order for you to enjoy this, you have to clear up some things. You have to pull this and pull that and make your garden beautiful. So we're going to look into the deeper meaning of these ten giants or ten seasons that we have to navigate through. We have to clear up in order for us to enter into the fullness of who we are called to. So there's a clearing and spiritualizing of your inner man. As Apostle Paul even said, renew your mind with the word of God. That's one of the ways you clear your mind. Clear your uh, bloodline. Word of God. Another way is just anointed men and women coming and blasting the devil off. You know, there is, when, when we decree, when we declare what is happening, it's clearing. Clearing stuff out. And then there is process of uprooting. The Jesus, told, uh, Jesus told his disciples, if any of you declare to this wild tree, be thou uprooted and be planted into the sea, it shall happen. Meaning, there is some uprootings that have to happen as well. Many a times Christians are attacking the branch and the, and the limbs of the tree. And I see tree, the problems. But the root is still there. Sometimes there is uprooting process involved. But this is not, like I said, not everybody can do it. That's another misconception in the church that any believer can do. That's not true. God has put mantle upon every believers, And that's how the kingdom operates. Dan cannot expect to do everything that someone else does because he's, he's got special mantles. This is why we as a body, we got to come together, work together to understand what each of the giftings are and then uproot and plant or do whatever you need to do. It's very important to, uh, to recognize and celebrate one another. And not only celebrate, tap onto one another. Leverage one another. You got to learn how to tap onto one another. If someone has an intercessory gift, tap onto that. If someone has a prophetic gift, tap onto that. Someone has a deliverance gift, tap onto that. And if you're not a specialist in deliverance, no matter what, how much you kick and scream, nothing's going to happen. I'm just telling you. You can feel good outside, but nothing going to happen. Giftings are in place. Specialists are in place to do special tasks. All right? So there's a clearing process that we need to engage in before we can enjoy our promises. You might say, God, he died for me on the cross. He brought healing. But why is healing still not manifesting in me? Because there is still some clearing process involved before you can enjoy the promise of healing. Think about that for a second. It's not, 
it's not a straightforward approach as you think. You have to walk intelligently with prophetic intelligence. God will show you what is stuck where through prophetic intelligence and that you move accordingly, strategically and cut off what you should be cut off. You can't just, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Just can't say what worked for Vicky will work for someone else. It doesn't. It's very unique. And what Vicky went through or her family background is different from someone else's. So we have, this is where we have to gather prophetic intelligence and move accordingly. And the Lord told in Numbers 33, 50 verse 50 through 56, he says, Speak to the Israelis and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into Canaan, drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you. So the Lord is saying, as you become born again, as you start the race, one of your early uh, tasks is to clear out the junk, the, whether it's filthy behaviors or contacts or connections, you got to start clearing it out. It's a cleaning up, clearing out process in your life that has to happen. It's, you know, I was, uh, while, I was, while we were talking earlier, God was talking to me about the problem with the church is not that we have any uh, less praising or shouting or hollering. We do all that stuff. The problem with the church is there's too much compromise outside the church. Too much compromise. We are leaving too many doors open for the devil to come and wreck a havoc. We can't do that. You got to be engaged in clearing up the junk out of your life. It's not only good to come and praise and holler here, but you got to clean up your life. It's very important because it doesn't work otherwise. We can't leave a, we can live, we can't live a compromised lifestyle and expect praise to outweigh that. It doesn't work like that. So God clearly said, listen, speak to the Israelis. He told Moses, when you cross the Jordan into Canaan, drive out all these inhabitants of the land. He's talking nothing about, nothing else but about the, the stuff that we need to clear out from our lives. Drive out all the inhabitants. Destroy all their carved images and their cast idols. In other words, today in the New Covenant, it is about what, what are you idolizing? What, is it some show on TV or is it some lifestyle? Take it all out of your heart. Demolish all their high places. Take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given you the land to possess. Verse 55. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barb in your eyes and thorns in your side. I've seen many believers. They came to Christ, but they still do alcohol. They still do drugs. They still do fornication. My friends... If you don't drive out those things out of your life, what will it become? Thorns and barbs in your life. There's no escaping this fact. Yes, we are righteous and holy. We are divine beings. But if we go against the grain of our nature, there is consequence. There's no doubt. If we say we are righteous, if we say we are uh, for Christ, if we are in Christ, let's walk in it. God clearly says, if you, verse 55, look at the last part. If you do not drive out the inhabitants, it's nothing but the stuff that lives in you. And those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. So it will definitely afflict you, all these lifestyle compromises. It's not enough to say, I'm a good Christian. We can you know, ask ourselves, what are the areas of compromise? But God has commanded, 
drive them all out. Destroy all these passions and hidden agendas in our heart. We got to completely destroy all the fleshly appetites and compromises out of our lives. Otherwise, it will become a thorn by our side. All right. So again, going back to our core, who are we? We are divine. Jesus said it this way in John 4.24, God is spirit, and they that worship him should worship him in spirit and in truth. So we don't come here standing here because we got good clothes and good this and that. We come here because we are spiritual. We, have been, we are righteous. And so we, that's how we, we, we connect with God in the morning, in the afternoon, spirit to spirit. Lord, no matter what the mess is going around me, I know who I am. I worship you as your son, as your child, as your daughter. Spirit to spirit. Our essence is spirit. And we need to live in the awareness of it. And we, we also need to get our lifestyles according to the integrity that's in the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a process, all right? But I don't want you to think that you'll have to Li uh, work it out in terms of, okay, I got to do this and that in order to be righteous. No, you've, you're already righteous. Your core is holy. You're righteous. But you just had to live it out now. You have to live out who you really are. That's all. It's not the other way around. It's not that you're, you're obeying everything to become righteous. No, 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 no. Your core is already divine. You're just working out your true nature. Cussing is not... Uh, uh, cussing is not... Uh, Second nature to you. Fornication is not. It is all strange natures. It is, it's an abnormal malfunction of our flesh. All this stuff that you see in the TV and the media and the community, whether it's murder, rape, adultery, all this is a malfunction of the human race. It is not what human race was created for. We are created for what? Good works to serve unto the living God. We were created for good works. And now we are be, I'm, I'm, I am as a, as a prophet of God, as a man of God, I'm reminding you of who you truly are so that you can get back to the track. So you might ask me, what about all the stuff that I've done? All been paid at the cross. All that you have done, you, what you, you are doing and you will be doing, it's been all paid at the cross. Everything that mankind did out of the malfunctioning, He's been paid at the cross. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for all the malfunctioning deeds of man. Even today when you sin, don't take too much ownership of it and say, oh my, I'm going to beat myself up. No, no, no. That was a malfunctioning. Catch yourself there and try not to repeat it. That's all. Don't take too much ownership of it as saying, oh, this is me. That's not you. That is a malfunctioning of your flesh. Who are you truly? You are a spiritual being. Your righteous being. So we got to, as a society, or as a church, learn to be more righteous conscious and less sin conscious. Hyper sin sensitivity can also be a problem. For people who are living in righteous lifestyle, I'm talking about people who are living in righteous lifestyle, many times the enemy stumbles them saying, oh, you did that mess, you did that mess. But you can tell the devil, that is a malfunctioning of the, my flesh. That's not me. I'm still dealing with some of the malfunctioning thoughts, a jacked up mind, jacked up bad. That's fine. It's all under the cross. I'm, not, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm going to try not to repeat it again. You cannot take ownership of all the flesh malfunctions. But make sure you try and not do it again. But you might not 
have a good run right away. That's okay. Get up back. But who are we? We are immersed in spirit. Our essence is spirit. And we need to live in awareness of that. So as a, as a whole, the whole human race is what? We are a divine people. Whether it's Pakistan, India, China, Brazil. Take all the nations of the earth. These are people of God. Malfunctioning. However, we are called to wake everybody up back to their divinity. To show them the real core. So Matthew 4.16, Jesus said, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Our goal is to bring this light to people who are sitting in darkness. They're, all they've seen is the malfunctioning flesh. They don't know who they are. They don't know the truth. They're just depressed sitting there. We as ambassadors of the light go forth and proclaim the gospel with signs, wonders, miracles, break off hindrances from their subconscious mindsets. And guess what? We bring them to the light. We tell them, this is, you are truly a divine being, not made for filth. Acts 26, 18 says, why? To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith. So we want to get everybody a place among those who are sanctified by faith. This clearing up process is nothing but what we call the sanctification process. It is clearing up junk out of your life so that you can truly enjoy the promises of God. Whether it's healing, wealth, joy, peace. It's all waiting for you to clear up some of the junk from your life. That has been hindering your manifestation of the promises. The book of James says, cleanse yourselves from all the filth of the flesh so that the promises can be manifested. There's no lack of promises, but the problem is the filth that needs to be cleared up. Hallelujah. One of the purposes of Jesus even coming to the world was through this blood sacrifice. You know, I was reading the other day about witches killing birds, chicken. You know, they just offer this blood to their demons so that demons can get activated. But then the Lord reminded me once and for all the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Imagine him on the cross. Imagine an altar and him being laid at that altar. There's no other sacrifice as powerful as the blood sacrifice of Jesus. You have to invoke the, the blood sacrifice. You have to say it out. Because it carries a lot of power in the cosmic realm. Don't just assume and think about the blood of Jesus. You've got to speak it out. You have to say, I plead the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ over any situation. You see what I'm saying? Whenever you're stuck, plead it. Speak it out. Just say blood, the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. So the, one of the many reasons the, the, the Jesus came and shed his blood, just imagine him lying on an altar, was through, it says, through the eternal spirit he offered himself as a perfect sacrifice to purify our conscience from dead works. So uh, the, the power of God was released through this sacrifice. Now you might ask, how come I'm not experiencing it right away? You're experiencing, experiencing this in phases, okay? Even though the, the cross was there, Jesus was laid as a sacrifice, 
the power to cleanse your conscience and bring you to alignment with God is happening in phases. It doesn't happen right away. The awakening process is a face-by-face process. Because the, 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 one of the reasons I asked God once, Lord, why not just do it right there? How, the minute I'm born again, let me be fully enlightened to my sonship, all that inferiority leaving, all kind of... God said it's in phases. It's in phases. Because the, another thing in the earth realm, if Dan were to just wake up like he got born again yesterday, and he, got, he woke up fully right away, it seems your mind will not be able to comprehend it right away. The reason God doesn't face is there's limitation in the flesh. And if he were to awaken like in a second, you will be like lost completely the next minute. That's why he doesn't face is where you come to an understanding in grips with your new identity gradually. Otherwise, your, your flesh can't handle it. Suddenly, you will be, you'll be super spiritual where you're lost. You might even forget your wife. So, Yeah. So what he's doing is, is a gra- he understands the limitations of the flesh. He works according to these parameters here. And then he takes us in phases. Through hard knocks and through suffering, we learn little by little. And over time, we learn what it means to become a son of God. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 2 says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land where you're entering to possess it, and clears away many nations before you, and when the Lord your God delivers them before you, you defeat them, and you utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, and show no favor to them. Clearing process in our life has to be brutal. We have to be brutally honest and say, this thing has to be cut off from my life. This behavior, this habit, this connection, we got to be brutally ruthless with some other junk in our life. Whatever is pulling you back, you got to cut it off. Because it's hindering the manifestation of the promises of God. Yes, I'm not questioning whether you're born again or not. But you're not able to manifest what God has promised you because there is junk still sitting in your life. You got to do a clearing process. Hallelujah. And it's different for different people. I've seen my fr- some of my friends come and say, hey, I had this promise. I had that promise. I'm, I'm 45 years old. Why is nothing happening? But I, I, I know my friends. I can tell them right now what's hindering them. They haven't cleared up many things. Anyway, let's go to quickly the 10 ones. Number one, the Kenites. If you remember, the Kenites were the first giants or the, the enemies that God told Israel to defeat. If you remember, Kenites means what? Belonging to Cain. You remember Cain and Abel? Cainites were from, coming from the tribe of Cain. They were known for trickery, deception, and lies. Not only that, they tried to hide and do their operations. You know, uh, early on in my Christian life, I was attacked out of, uh, from nowhere many times, spiritually. But the Lord allowed it to happen. He recently told me. I just, he just allowed, me to ha- allowed that to happen just to show me that he still got me. And number two, a few months ago, he told me one more thing, son. No more will there be any hidden attacks on you or your family, he said. I said, Lord, how, is, how are you going to do it? Here, here it is what he said in Second Kings. I don't know if you know about the story about King Aram. King Aram used to attack Israel periodically. He will do it as a covert operation. He will hit them by surprise. 
Israel was so uh, impoverished. Israel was so distraught. They were like, man, these guys are coming from nowhere and attacking us. But then, guess what happened? Elisha, the prophet, stood up. So listen to this. Now the king of Aram was warring against Israel, and he counseled with the servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And Elisha sent word to the king. But see, there was a prophet called Elisha. He sent a word to the Israel, uh, king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Arameans are coming down there. So guess what? The king, king of uh, Israel did what the prophet told. You keep going down, you'll see. Now the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing because his, his plans got defeated. Enemy's plans got defeated because a prophet revealed what is going to come right before the attack, and they escaped. And the Lord told me, this is exactly what I'm going to do in your life. No more will there be any hidden surprises coming against you. I'm going to reveal stuff to you, and you're going to make mitigation strategies how to counter this. This is for all the saints of God. We've been caught by surprise many times. But there comes a phase when we have overcome. God is now going to no more hidden surprises. I'm going to reveal it to you way before what's going to happen. Guess what? We're going to counter the devil's strategy. The same sword he came up against us, we're going to use the same sword to cut his neck off. Because now he's going to reveal prior to the event what's going to happen. So this is available. So the keen-eyed spirit would try to catch you by surprise. But now you need to ask God, Lord, reveal through your prophets or through uh, directly to me what is about to happen. You have to. You don't want to get hit by a surprise anymore. Next one, the Kenesites. Kenesites is the season when you are perplexed, confused, not sure. So the first season, God will allow you through to go through that. Okay, Like I said, these are the 10 seasons every serious believer will experience. If you haven't experienced any of this, you are nowhere close to your promise. I can just tell you that. There is this clearing up process that first starts with the Kenites where the enemy will try to come from nowhere and attack you. Don't be surprised. That's a season. That's a giant you have to attack and overcome. Number two is the Kenesites. This is the perplex season when everything around you, you're just so confused. Like Apostle Paul said, we are troubled on every side, distressed, perplex. It's okay. This is part of your advancing. Don't get worried that you're going to die. You know, you're not going to die. This is a season that you have to overcome. How do you overcome the season? The season of perplexity and confusion. Be still and know that he's God. This is a time for being just hiding, yeah, listening and hiding under the covert of his wings. That's a time to just take refuge under his shadow. The Kenneside season. Many a times when we are perplexed and confused, we, are, we have the tendency to um, do some mistakes, to react. Don't do that. Don't make any hasty decisions during this time. Back off, sit in the presence of God, let the problem solve itself. Don't even talk to too many people during this time. Stay away. But this is a season as you advance into the promised land. But so God wants us to overcome every hidden agenda of the devil, number one. Now, number two, this perplexity 
face. He wants us to overcome this. Many times, many people get sunk under perplexity. There's too much for them, they say, no more. It's too much, I can't handle this. I'm confused, I'm going to file for a divorce, or I'm going to file, quit the job. Don't do that. Hang in there. It's a season. It's a season to see if you qualify for the next level. Hallelujah. The number three is the Cadmonites. Not everybody say Cadmonites. Cadmonites is nothing but they call the Easterners are skilled in witchcraft and divination. This is another phase that every believer would, serious believer would go through. You will be under heavy barrage of witchcraft arrows. You'll be like, what is going on? From every direction, my kids are attacked, my car is breaking down, my bank account is overdrawn. You might be wondering, where is this coming from? Some of these are direct arrows of the enemy through witchcraft. The book of Psalms says, have respect. Psalm 74, verse 20 says, have respect under the covenant for the dark places of the earth are full of the habitations of cruelty. God is saying, better hold on and live a lifestyle ad adhering to the covenant of, with, with Jesus. Why? Because the dark places of the earth are full of the habitations of cruelty. Witchcraft is intensely going on, my friends. Ha make sure you stay in integrity with the covenant with God. Do not leave a door open. Have respect unto the covenant. Because the dwellings of the earth are filled with darkness and evil. This is, I would say, this is the number one enemy of church today. Witchcraft and divination. It is serious than you think. It has to take somebody like a Moses anointing to swallow these devils. You have no idea. When Pharaoh, back in Egypt, he had magicians all over, completely, his, his court was made up of magicians. Magicians are nothing but witches and sorcerers. Nothing short of a Moses could defeat them. Aaron couldn't defeat them. No, nobody in Israel could defeat them. Moses, with the mantle of God, had to go to the court of Pharaoh. And you, if you know the story, Mo, uh, Moses put his staff down, turned into a snake. Magicians did the same trick. They also put their staff down, turned into a snake. But what happened was the anointing of God that was upon Moses swallowed every other snake. This is not a joke. The fight against witchcraft is not easy. This, this requires some generals, some apostles with great anointing and mantle to swallow the Le Leviathan spirit. This is a terrible spirit. It, it, what does a python do or a Leviathan does? It, it, it just chokes. It takes the life out of you. It takes the life out of societies, of communities, of nations. Anytime you try to get out of a Leviathan's uh, control, what happens? It tightens it some more. It grips it some more. Anytime you try to yank out, it grips it some more. Pharaoh said the same thing to Moses. I'm not going to let the people go, but instead I'm going to tighten my grip on them. I'm going to give them extra work to do. But nothing short of a miracle, apostolic miracle of God. Every time Pharaoh hardened his heart, the Lord sent a plague. The Lord hit them with a the judgment. You have to understand, this is a serious uh, effort. Cutting down witchcraft and divination of our communities. I'm, but I'm sure we can do it together as we recognize each other's callings and work collectively. We can defeat this. 
Psalm 91 verse 5 and 6 says, You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the dark. In other words, this is happening day and night. What is happening? There is terror, arrow, pestilence happening at the different phases in 24-hour cycle. If you do not have a covenant with God, everything or any, any of this can rest upon you. That's why we see sudden death, sudden calamity, sudden this and that. Because this is continually operating in the earth realm. The fourth one, Hittites. Looked at it. These are sudden terror. It could be a terrorist attack or, or it could be anything that is bringing sudden fear. A Hittite spirit. Number five, the parasites. The parasites where it's a season when you feel you're all alone. A desert-like season. And, you know, many people through separation and isolation have become depressed. It's a time, but this is also a season that we have to go through and overcome to come to the next phase. Which, what is it? The parasite season. The isolation season. Let's get to the number six. The Rephaim. So, the reading covered this last time. The Rephaim season is a time or season of gloom. Especially, there is a fear-producing thoughts coming into your mind. Anxiety attack, panic attacks. A season when you experience great fear and anxiety when looking at the problems in front of you. God will allow you to go through this. You know why? To show you the other side. Apostle Clay once said, anytime you want to fight a spirit, fight with an opposite spirit. When hate comes, in it with love. When fear comes... Overcome it by faith. So what we are trying to do, when he allows you to go through the refined season so that you, you will learn how to overcome it. How do you overcome it? You have to do some spiritual exercises to focus on the love of God. This morning we heard a sister talking about the love of God. It's important to affirm that we are loved by God. He wants to redeem us, not destroy us. He is for us, not against us. It's important for us to remind ourselves of this. Because in, the Bible says, the perfect love casteth out fear. Apostle Paul is grounded and rooted in love of God. It's very important. So he'll allow you to go through this season of anxiety and fear. Either you can drown in that fear, or you can find the other realm, which is grounded in God's love. But until, unless you go through this phase, you will never learn to tap into the love of God either. That's the exit. Unless you've experienced heart, you really don't know what cold is. That's how human race works. It's not where you just can learn the love of God from thin air. You have to go through some fearful experiences before you fully get grounded in the love of God. He will, he will allow you to go through the valley of shadow of death just to show you that he is your shepherd. So do not discount or diminish these experiences. The Raphaim experience is part of your marching to the promised land. There is no fear in love, First John says. Perfect love casteth out fear. You know, I'm sure you all, all of you have experienced I've gone through so many fearful, dreadful experiences. But now I've learned to say always, Yahweh is my shepherd. Do not fear anymore. But I went through such fearful, dreadful terror experiences in the years past. But now, because of that, now I'm thankful. 
that now I can, I'm grounded in his love. I know no depth, no heights can separate me from the love of God. He showed me, but he, he had to get, take me through this Raphaim season. Where now I can stand here and tell you, nothing can separate me from the love of God through Christ Jesus. So none of our experiences or the afflictions that we go through are bad. It's to make us qualify for our promised land. Don't we need some strong people? Aren't we happy in the U.S. Army and Navy? We have some trained, well-trained men and women. Similarly, in the spirit realm, we need some men and women who have gone through stuff. Elders who know how to overcome. It's a good thing. You don't want some bunch of weaklings sitting here who only have you know, head knowledge of the scriptures. You need people who have gone through and overcome so that they can help others. Amen. So that you can rely on them in the time of need as well. Amen. Number seven, the Amorites. Amorites were called the mountaineers, the highlanders. They were actually one of the strongest of the Canaanite tribes. One of the very toughest, were one of the tough enemies to uproot back for Israel. But Amorites means mountaineers, and the spiritual meaning of it is strongholds. Stuff that is in the high places in your mind. Mental strongholds. So years after we coming to faith, we Christians are still battling some strongholds. Strongholds meaning some patterns set in the deep subconscious realms of our mind, of our emotions, still battling. We have to uproot the Amorites. But God will allow you to go through the season that just to show you how these strongholds are hindering your progress. It could be a cultural stronghold you inherited or something that you inherited from your, um, from your school or from your family. You have to learn how to uproot those if, that's not, if it's not in alignment with God. The Amorites. 2 Corinthians 10, chapter three, uh, verse 3 through 6 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So this stronghold thing is a season which we have to deal with. We can't just let it go. What is it that erroneous thinking and perception still lingering in your mind. It might be some patterns and habits, as I said, which we have to uproot. You know, I'll give you an example of a stronghold. Uh, the, what is it called? The, the racist group, KKK or whatever. They have a stronghold. They think only a certain race deserves to exist. Nazi had the same stronghold. What is the stronghold? Only this Aryan race can exist. Everyone else should perish. It's a stronghold. It's a pattern. Similarly, we, every one of us has a, some or the other stronghold. Mental patterns which we are not ready to uh, unsettle and uproot. If you, you know, if you are from other minority races, there might be strongholds against another race. We can't keep that. We've got to shed off all the strongholds. Because that will keep you, if you have a stronghold still lingering, it will keep you from the manifestation of the promise of God. You got to let go. You got to act like Christ. You got to act like Christ. Unforgiveness, bitterness, adultery, all, any uncleanness had to be let go of. Racism, all out. Can't do that. It's a stronghold. 
will keep you from the promises of God. So he says, pulling down our strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So Amorites is called the Highlanders. It's nothing but the strongholds, the high thing, the imaginations that sits in your brain. You got to learn to cast it out. This is a season where you go through. God will see if you are ready to pull it down or are you going to just keep it. Some lot of Christians in the church still sitting with strongholds. They love Jesus, but then they don't love this race. Don't work like that. In Christ, there is no male, no female, no Jew, no Greek, no Jew, no, uh, no, no, may, uh, no discrimination in Christ. We are, we are all what? One in Christ Jesus. A new man after the image of God. Celebrate one another. Celebrate. Unique expressions of God. Carrying different strengths and talents of God. Everybody carrying a unique gifting of God. Hallelujah. Number eight, the Gergeshites. The Gergeshites were one of the enemies. Also was, you know, deeply rooted into the Canaan. Not easy to uproot as you think. The meaning of Gergeshites were dense or condensed. What it means is a season when the mind is really condensed and foggy due to compromise. This is something that we as believers, this is a season that we'll go through. Gergeshite season. What happens in Gergeshite season? You start to compromise and now your mind is all what? Foggy. Condensed. You really don't know who you are suddenly. You started off right, but now you are all in compromised. That's what Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. Examine yourselves, whether you are in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not know your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, unless you are counterfeit. So there was a group of Christians back then and even today. We all tend to get some, some phases of our life. We tend to compromise. We just tend to let, let the God loose a little bit. And suddenly, guess what? We are fogged up as to who we are. So Paul had to remind them, don't you know who you really are? Look at the last part. That Jesus Christ is in you. You are a divine being. What, what is, what's going on with you? You're going against the grain of your divine natures. Examine yourselves. Get back in track. It's a season, the Gergeshite season, that every believer will go through. Meaning it's not clear, foggy, as to who we are. Can anyone lead a sin-free, uncompromised life? Not really. You can get there in phases, but nobody gets there right away. We all are going through similar temptations and tests and trials. And that's why Apostle Paul said, no, man, no temptation has overtaken man, such as is common to everybody. So nobody, you see, just because he's wearing a suit doesn't mean he's any good. He's any better than me. Or he's any better than him. Or I'm better than her. We all are going through similar temptations and tests and trials. We all are working out our spiritual natures. It's not, it's not, even though that is our core, it is, we are not used to it. But we are getting to learn how to talk right, how to act right, how to pray right, how to eat right. <laughs> Everything. Every department of life, we are working out the spirit. 
Because of what? Because of the malfunction in the flesh, we went completely astray. All like sheep have gone astray, the Bible says. Drugs, fornication, adultery, gluttony, uncleanness, indecency, murder. All this is malfunctioning of the flesh. That's not who we are though. We are divine. We are learning to get back. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 2 says, We have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in deception, nor falsifying the word of God. He says, here's how we live now. We are a born-again Christians. Apostle Paul says, we have renounced every hidden and secret thing. We as Christians cannot have secret stuff going on in the background anymore. We have to renounce and reject the filth that only we and God knows. We can't continue that old lifestyle. He says, we don't walk in deception. We don't falsify the word of God. But we manifest the truth of God in our lifestyles. And we commend ourselves to every man's conscience before God. This is an example for us to follow. Renounce every hidden thing of shame. Secret sins and this and that. Number nine, the Canaanites. Canaanite, uh, is the meaning is the one who existed for material things. He's a trafficker in materiality. This is a season that every believer will go through. When materiality tries to supersede spirituality. Even Jesus was tempted. The devil said, I will give you all the splendors of this world. Just bow down before me. It's a real temptation that we'll go through. A lot of people might sink. Even actually in the book of James, uh, one of the New Testament epistles says, many have fallen away because of the love for money. You come here, you loved God, you ran well, but then money started to come in. Materiality engulfed your spirituality. Will you overcome, will you overcome the Canaanite season? When this is a real temptation. You'll start to see a lot of money coming in, finances coming in, and many people just forget God. Oh, I like my lifestyle. It feels good. Glass of wine in the morning. Filet mignon in the lunchtime, club in the night, whatever it might be. I don't know if I, this is already heaven here. I don't need to remember God. This is a season of testing. Well, how will you overcome? Or are you going to get swallowed up by the Canaanite season? These are real tests and temptations, my friends. They'll come before every person. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. We live in the world, but we are not of the world. Yes, we need a car, we need clothes, we need food. But your eyes should be fixed on your spirit, on, on God. You should not be engulfed by materialism if you want to inherit your promises. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. We live in the world, but we live in a detached mindset from the stuff of the world. We live, we enjoy stuff, that's okay. But we are not focused in pursuing these things. This is not, we, we don't wake up thinking, oh man, I'm going to do this, I'm going to drink a glass of wine and a steak and then have this and that. That's not how we 
reorient our life. The world does that. They're looking for the next entertainment, next movie coming out, next that, next this. We're looking to become more aligned with God daily. Our focus is on the spirit realm. Am I growing into the full stature in Christ Jesus? 40 or 50 or 60 years, he, years here on earth, all is vanity. He might have had last 10 years good, but tomorrow he might go to the grave. What's the point of life, as Solomon said? All is vanity. Human life, the breath is like a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. Live in the fear of God. Walk in his knowledge. Try, you know, uh, reorganize your life to become more close to him. Because everyone will stand before God one day. We got to, that's how our psalmist said, teach me, O Lord, to number my days. Your peace, your joy, your satisfaction only will come as you unite with God. As you learn who you truly are. And you have your worth in Him. Everything else is vanity. It will not satisfy you. And finally, the Jebusites. Number 10, the 10th giant, Jebusites. Jeb, Je, Jebus, or J-E-B-U-S, not J-A-B-Z. Jebus is a threshing floor, a place of contention and trial. The last 10th season that you'll go through is a season of contention, strife, and trial. There will be people ready to contend with you inside your house, outside your house, in the church, in your office. There will be total chaos trying to shake you up. A season of conflict. That conflict can be inside you and outside you. Because most of these enemies are both intrinsic and extrinsic. It can be internal or external. Either way, you have to defeat the season. A season of conflict. A place of contention. Overcoming. How do you overcome Jebusites? The 10th one. Chris, would you play something? Let's uh, wrap it up. How do you overcome? Psalms 18 verse 43 says, Thou hast delivered me, O Lord, from the strivings of my people. Thou hast kept me to be the head of the heathen. A people which I knew not shall serve me. This battle belongs to God. All you can do is really... Be in alignment with God. Strivings are going to come. People are going to throw accusations and contentions against you from all directions. You don't go to react with this stuff. You don't go stoop down at the lower levels. You stay in God. What the Bible says, Thou, O Lord, has delivered me from the strivings of my people. It is God only who can deliver you from the strife of people. And not only He will deliver you, He'll make you to be the head of the heathen. Heathen are people who do not have a covenant with God or who do not know God. If you keep quiet, if you maintain your peace, He's going to bring you on top. Hallelujah. You keep your mind stayed on Him. Keep your mind focused on the pursuit of God and things are all going to get aligned. Come on, let's stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, just give God a clap offering this morning. Lord, thank you for speaking to us this morning, oh God. Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come on, Lord. Say a word of prayer. Lord, just, we just thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for 
the privilege of being able to worship you freely. Lord, that's something that we just don't even think about and take for granted. There are places in the world where this is a crime, Lord, but here we can freely worship you. So, Lord, we want to repent for not taking this for, for taking this for granted. Lord, we appreciate you. We say today that we appreciate everything that you have done for us. Lord, we say that there is none like you. Father, we forsake anything that has become an idol to our life. And we surrender our lives to you once again, Lord. We surrender to you completely. We give you everything. Father, we thank you for the tremendous love that you have for us and you pour on us, Lord, abundantly. We thank you, Lord, for the blood of your son, Jesus, that has saved us and transformed us, Lord, so we can be available for every good work that you have purposed us and that you have created us for. And right now, Lord, we say all together as one man, here I am, send me, Lord. Come on, say it. Here I am, send me, Lord. Lord, send us to that thing which you have designed us originally for. That you put spiritual blinders, Lord, on us so we can run the race with no hindrances and no distractions, Lord. And Father, we declare that you have already given us a victory over these 10 giants that we have learned from today, Lord. And Lord, we say that they are all under our feet in Jesus' mighty name.